everybody out there. Welcome back to the Dungeons Mastered Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Jeff. And we have a, a, a special guest with us today. You want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm the Unseen Servant. I'm Brittany. I'm going to be doing, I am doing most of the like marketing social media stuff for these guys. Uh, just basically going to be mostly quiet, but you might hear me pitch in every now and then. Hello. Can you give one, one little piece of context for those that don't understand the Unseen Servant reference? Because I, I, not only did you pick it, but it, but it means more than what it looks like on its surface. And I'm worried about the connotations. Involved. It's a spell in D and D, and I thought it was perfect because I'm not really the face of this company, but I'm involved still, and I'm your servant. <laughs> <laughs> involved is an understatement, indeed. Being as active as you are on social media, uh, we you are indispensable. Absolutely, do at me, bro. <laughs> I'm going to say right at this exact moment that I don't think we stay on track with any of the stuff that we're trying to do if it was not for Brittany. So. Of course. Yes. Glad that we got a mic for you. Mm-hmm. It also gives us some opportunities to bring in some guests down the road. Might be planned. Indeed. Might be planned. Indeed. We've been upgrading the equipment. We have the, the third spot and even a fourth now. So looking mm. forward to the opportunities that that presents. One of these days. One of these days. What are we talking about today? Today, we have three segments for you. Uh, We're going to be starting out with the DMs Discuss, the premise of which is the the Session Zero. We're going to be talking about all the things involved with that, a couple examples so that you can bring it into your own games. We will then be doing a fun NPCs section where we talk a little bit about some NPCs that we've introduced in our games, a little bit of background, and maybe you can throw them into your campaign if if you're so inclined. If you like them. If you like them. And we're going to end off with a, another edition of the Yes And Game, with the premise being, or do we want to save that? Something about a mage tower. Yeah, something about a mage tower. Yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have some fun with the oddities. Yeah. <laughs> Little throwback to things <laughs> that you can do with a mage tower. So that should be fun. Yes, uh, that's about as much of that as we've planned, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start today with the session zero, which if you're a DM and you're part of any of the communities around here that attract DMs, like you know some of the different subreddits, there's a lot of great people on Twitter that you can follow. Everybody was talking this week about Session Zero and the importance of Session Zero. And in the conversations that we were having before, we started talking about you know our thoughts on the Session Zero, and I think we're both on the same page. We think that it's very powerful to include a Session Zero in your game, But as we were discussing it, we kind of realized, you know, a lot of people have already hit on all the points that we wanted to have. It kind of, you know, we're just rehashing things that other people say. So we're going to talk about some more unique experiences that we've had with actually running session zeros and really go through some of the really fun things we've done. Right. There's there's so many people out there that are uh, hitting the major points of that. It's it's important for establishing your characters in in the uh, in the story itself creating some relationships and um, relationships between, but we want to add a little bit more to that conversation, give you some more specific examples of how we've implemented session zero, the kinds of resources that we've pulled on and give you guys some ideas for how you could implement it yourself. So we both kind of came across the same thing that uh, we didn't even talk about it beforehand, but I think it was just such a great example of this, that it, it was the natural place to go. And so there was a great write up on the subreddit D&D Behind the Screen mm-hmm. by one of their mods. I think he even, might even be the head mod there. Famous hippopotamus. 
That guy has contributed so much amazing content and it's been so helpful for me, I know. And I'm sure a lot of us have run across that content without even realizing it was him because he oh, just yeah. writes such great stuff. Yeah, being on that subreddit, I, I know that there's so many ones that I've just clicked into for a little quick bit of inspiration or an answer to the question that I just didn't even realize. I've been reading from him for, for a couple of years now. So yeah, he's he's fantastic, a great creator. And this particular one that we're talking about, the campaign in six sheets is a fantastic example of the kind of things that he produces. So the first page was one that we both actually ran through. And I think the first campaign that I brought you in on. That's right. Where we were, we, we had a... We were playing like three games at the same time or something. It was crazy. <laughs> we had really, really jumped into it when we had, I had immersed myself as a dungeon master for the first time and you were really getting back into it after, after some time. Yeah. And well, what just, it was too much. It was. But one of the cool things that came out of it was we had run this session zero just between the two of us. So I was dungeon master and uh, Jeff had a new character that he was playing. And so I was looking at this sheet before we got started. And I said, dude, we need to try this. I think you're the most likely to, to actually want to try it. So let's do it. <laughs> so we jumped on Discord. And the whole point of this was is there's this kind of questionnaire. And the purpose of it is, is to discover the background of the character that's being built. And you kind of play through it a little bit. So you, you understand where they're coming from on a much greater level because you're not just thinking about this background, you've played the background. And so now it's an experience. And so uh, what was the character that you were playing? It was Johannes Bright uh, Brighton who ended up being a, uh, a Asimar sorcerer. So what we ended up doing was we ran through these questions and I'll read a couple of them off. I don't want to go too crazy. We'll probably have a link somewhere in the description of anything that we're doing here that links to this one sheet if you want to try it because it was a lot of fun and it worked really well for us. So it was split up and it was 20 questions split up into two sections. One was the early years, a childhood, and the other one was more of the, the teenager into adulthood, the sort of harrowing, I said it right this time, you did. event that sent that character off onto their journey. And so from the early years, here is an example of some of the questions that, that we would ask. It'd be, tell me where you see this character as a child. What does their home look like? Who else is in the home? Do they have any animals? What's the area like? What does your family do to make money? How religious are they? And here were some good ones. Tell me a rumor you've heard about the surrounding area. Tell me a rumor you've heard about your parents. Tell me what you believe about yourself. Tell me about two of your friends, at least. And tell me about two of your enemies. And with that, you were able to construct, uh, I believe it was a town that we began with, a couple of childhood friends and a bully that we had, and establish what my kind of mentality was regarding magic and religion and all of these other types of things that were very important it ended up being to the way that my character was built. And I really enjoyed that space to be able to answer those questions and have that feed into a session zero that we had, not only for it fleshing out my character, but also providing a really pivotal moment for this particular character being both an Asimar and a sorcerer. Those kind of things can pop up spontaneously. They're almost like a, a puberty kind of thing where they just appear one day. And that wouldn't have been appropriate to have as like something that happens with the rest of the party involved. Right. So having that, that session zero where I get to have that awakening as my Asimar sorcerer. And I, I, have this power well up inside of me was really, really cool to be able to really feel 
uh, attachment to this character that we're bringing into the game. Well, and we role-played it. Yeah. Right? We didn't just come up with what it was and say, this is what it was. Right. We ran through it. And so the two of us together, not only did we world-build, because we came up with the town that they were from, like, on the spot, right? We came up with some characters that are now going to be part of the story. We came up with the story of how you came across that power. And then from there, we expanded out into the second set of questions, which was the, they call this in here, the maturing. And it is a teenager, young adult sort of thing. And it was, so here's a couple of the questions. It was, what do you do for fun? What kind of work are you required to do? Tell me about some of your teachers, mentors, masters. Do you have any romantic relationships? Are you interested in work outside of your studies? Tell me a rumor about one of your rivals, a tragedy you experienced. And so some of these questions we didn't actually go through because as we were developing these next steps, I kind of came up with this idea of like, okay, trust me on this one (laughs) and let's see where this goes. So correct me if I'm wrong, and I'll probably have you tell a lot of this story, but a lot of what happened to your character as time went on was especially as you discover these powers, the whole bully thing became worse. Yes. Yeah, it was... uh... And I don't remember the name of the bully specifically, but it was that this type of magic, this welling of magic was certainly uncharacteristic of those in the region. And thus I was an outcast for the few people that had an idea that that was even even going on. So I'd kept this a big secret. And what it manifested into was kind of the the catalyst for the uh, urge to adventure that, that Johannes had eventually in that in true DM fashion, as we got to the end of establishing that character, answering those questions in the course of a kind of session zero exercise, you killed my parents. Well, it wasn't that simple, right? <laughs> so the way that we played it off was, in and out, I figured this character has a loving family. He's got his brother, who's kind of his best friend. That was how we played that out. Uh, it's in a larger village, so there wasn't really a lot of reason for him to leave. So you kind of have this little bit of a nudge. And so it wasn't just, okay, cliche kill the parents. Okay. I I did that. Okay. It happened, but it was more, it was a good reason to kill the parents. So you being an an asimer, there was a group of, I think I had them be tieflings. Yeah. Right. It was a great, I remember. Yeah. You know, enemy to have, they were coming and looking for you. That was what it was. They had heard about you largely because of this bully blabbing his mouth off. He didn't realize that it was going to turn into that. Right. Right. He was just blabbing. But they had found out about you, and they were coming to either take you away or kill yourself. And they found your family. They burned the place down, thinking that you were going to be in there, and just largely killed the rest of your family. You, your character, and his brother both saw this happen. Yep. So we talked a little bit about this before. I'm just going to go ahead and reveal this now, if this is fine (laughs) with you, because that campaign's done and over with for a long time. Yeah. Spill the tea. So the way that I wanted to play it out for you was that the brother would have blamed your character for what happened. Eventually, what was going to happen was you were going to come across a fully armored up knight that was just trying to kill you. And as the <laughs> session ended, he was going to remove his helmet and say something like, it's been a long time, brother. <laughs> I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, here it was going to be sweet. <laughs> I see <laughs> them. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> so it was going to be great, but that session kind of, fell apart unfortunately because that's what happens when you try to run three sessions yeah. a week yeah uh especially when one's fully homebrew you just kind of run out of time to put all that stuff together so. indeed and uh as you grow as a player you bring 
characters in that you enjoy to to play even more and more as you put more and more into them. And I'm very happy with the characters that I'm playing now. Absolutely. Hmm. So I think that's that's kind of the important part of the session zero is not just providing information for your players for them to understand what the setting that they're going to be in is, but to help them discover their character's background a little bit more. I think it helps them role play that character more because you have a lot more invested in where that character is coming from. And so when you sit down at the table for the first time and you're role playing that character for the first time, it's not where did he come from? It's I know what I'm expecting to do. Right. And one of the things that we were talking about when we were getting started here as well is when you're having a session zero with with everybody involved, one of the things that you can do uh, a really good favor to your players to be able to help them think about the kind of characters that they want to make, the relationships that they have to each other and other NPCs in the world is talk a bit about the theme that you have for the campaign that's coming up. Give them some flavor for that and maybe a couple of little factoids about it, but keep the story separate as something that you as the dungeon master can reveal over time so that, you know, there's some some suspense to it, especially if you're running something that that has a, an air of mystery to it. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking uh, we were talking about Curse of Strahd. Exactly. Something that we're running right now for my game. And uh, I mean, there's a heavy theme in that of gloom and doom and deception and darkness. And you know that your ultimate goal is trying to slay a vampire named Strahd. Right. And it really helped to, I think, help you guys find the characters that you wanted to play they would really have an impact on there. And I mean, one of the things, especially as your characters really become more alive since some things have happened to him, you know, he's become much more alive after dying. Well, yeah, (laughs) that happened. Spoiler alert. Spoilers. (laughs) But as a cleric in a very dark place, you know, it's interesting to have that character in there. And you know, meta wise, you're definitely going to want to have a cleric in your party when you're fighting undead. Right. <laughs> so, And having a, a light domain cleric on top of that is very, very useful. But that all came together knowing the theme of where we were going. Exactly. And I think we didn't really have a session zero for Curse of Strahd, but it was pretty apparent that that was what we were walking. And I think most people know who Strahd is, even when they're coming into the game for the first time. Like, he's just an iconic character that it didn't really take a lot for us to come up with that theme. Just kind of know, like, hey, guys, you're probably going to be fighting vampires. So think about that when you're making your characters. And we had kind of a, a pseudo-session zero in that we had a one-shot that was... Vampire hunt one-shot. That's that was, right. Yeah, that's right. And that's with, right. Uh, with level 10 characters that we came in, and I I, uh, I think I just changed the name uh, from the first one. I wasn't quite content. Omnail is much better than whatever it was before. And, and we got to really experience almost like the final boss fight, right? Because we fought a little the, bit, yeah. A vampire at yeah, the end there. A little bit. And that Strahd's gonna be a lot harder than that dude was, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, we we uh we kind of wiped the floor with that first vampire. I, yeah, uh, well. <laughs> he's got the the whole of uh Castle Ravenloft to help him out. So yeah. And that was definitely a a lesson in fight balance. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so but that's a good point though. We did. We ran a little uh one shot vampire hunt which was really kind of the catalyst to me being like, okay, we need to run Curse of Strahd because vampires are sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were enjoying that session oh, a lot. I was in it. I was in it. I love that gothic horror stuff. It's so much fun. <laughs> uh, but that was really kind of a pseudo session zero, even though it was more like a pseudo end session. Right. Which, <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's a topic for another day. Maybe. Run a one-shot <laughs> for what the end of this campaign might look like. 
you know, now that I'm talking about that out loud, that is actually kind of a good idea. Because if you really want to know if you're going to enjoy your character through a campaign, see what they're like when you get towards the end. And you get to have their full scope of abilities and like spells and everything. And then be like, oh, I get to work back up to this. In well, the hey, course of the- speaking on that. Yeah. My wizard in our Monday night game, the one that we're both players in. Right. I recreated from the level 20 wizard that I played in the one shot that you ran because I was like, wizards are freaking awesome. (laughs) I need to be this again. (laughs) And so I played through it. So, hey, you never know. Sometimes it's just fun to to play the end, see what it feels like and build your way back up from there. In addition to the importance of a session zero, the high, higher level one shots where you get to play some of those characters when they have that full range of abilities uh, from a mechanical standpoint really really gives some fun influence for for characters to or for players to to want to work towards what the character can be eventually all right we're going to move into our npc show off is, <laughs> yeah. that, a, is that a better name showcase maybe showcase npc show- showcase showdown <laughs> but it's not a competition it is not this time around we're not doing a competition a draft kind of thing we just want to bring some npcs to the table some ones that we've really enjoyed being able to implement and that have for the most part from what we've seen from our players gone over really well npc shindig <laughs> npc shindig. is that better maybe just want a second to say that uh, I think early polling is in from last week's episode. I think Brian stole the stole the vote last week. Yeah, it was, it was neck and neck there for a little yes. bit, but uh, I don't think it was. I'm I happy think it to was take when a, you voted for yourself. It's actually still tied on Twitter. I'm happy oh. to take a week off of being oh. the victor. Oh. <laughs> still, still tied on Twitter, but Brian has good lead on Facebook. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> maybe I'll win one of these one day. Perhaps. Yeah. The, Stars twinkle in my eyes. Maybe we can get there one day. Okay, I'm going to start off. This is this is not a showdown. We're right. not competing on this one. This is just interesting characters that we've had that are not the run-of-the-mill guard that you have, that you have a random list of names to pull out of a hat so that when the players inevitably go, what's your name, good sir? Yeah, It's uh, Bill. Billerson, do you do you also have a list of uh, of NPC names ready to go when you're? Um, of course, <laughs> introducing I do. random. Of course, posts? I do. Oh yeah, 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 I have. I even have one now that's specifically names for Barovian peoples. <laughs> Fortunately, you guys haven't really uh, hammered on me too much, and there's enough NPCs in that. You don't really need to know the random people's names, but I've had a couple of players that love to just interact with the closest person that is uh, in the town square or something and coming up with those names and those characters on the spot. Yes. Hey, you, what's your name? (laughs) (sighs) Fine. Random NPC 053. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to start today with one of my favorite NPCs. I was extra, extra proud of this NPC. And it was in a campaign that is now defunct, but I really want to bring him back at some point. And he is sort of the the magical items merchant of the town. And the way that I pictured this was, this is a region that really did not see a lot of character diversity. And so this guy showing up in town was different, right? And so the first thing that I did with this character was, I gave him a shop that didn't make any sense. It was in the middle of a logging town where the building was really small And it had this sort of glowing door. And it turned into a very Doctor Who sort of TARDIS moment. It was bigger on the inside. Exactly. 
And I may have even used that exact phrasing. Oh, I know I did when I, <laughs> when we were figuring out that that's what was going on. <laughs> so this NPC was a little older gnome. And I went back, and I'm pretty sure that D&D really plays towards this too, but I sort of pulled in from my EverQuest days on my inspiration for this character in that he was a very heavy tinkerer, but also a powerful wizard. And uh, so he was not only a, a tinkerer, but he was an enchanter. And uh, so my, my, my character, Fenric Wizcrank, was the proprietor of Fenric's fantastical collection. And I actually brought in my old notes to describe him as an older gnome, white hair cleanly wrapped around a large bald spot in the middle of his head. His long white beard, the envy of even the dwarves themselves, braids together from his chin nearly to the floor. A fluffed out mustache curls up on both sides back towards his emboldened nose. He's dressed in long purple robes, embroidered with gold and red fabrics, strapped to the teeth in tinkering gear, the most notable feature being a long hinged metal arm connected to a band around his waist, most likely used for assistance in his work. He's a skilled tinkerer, as he is an enchanter, and leverages both skills to harbor business across the continent. So he was a real strange, interesting character. Give you guys the opportunity to buy some magic items, but a lot of the rest of the shop were these sort of clockwork tinkers. And so then, in fact, his big hook was I'm going to send you guys to a ruin. I mispronounced that many times. You guys <laughs> there, there beat were me up about that. R U N E runes all over runes. the R U N R U I N ruins. Uh, and it was very confusing. This is ruined. <laughs> So he sent the party out to some ruins uh, where he believed there to be some clockwork creatures of some sort. And you guys actually came across some pretty interesting stuff there. And a lot of developing that character came out of, I found this cool place for you guys to go. And I was like, how am I going to get them to go to this cool place with all this clockwork <laughs> stuff? Gnomes. Gnomes 100%. Of course. The the de facto tinkerers. And uh, it was very interesting seeing the kind of mechanical elements of that part of your world because I think at that point we had really just been delving into the magical elements of it. Maybe a little bit of nature, if I remember right, uh, but having some kind of ancient technology that we were starting to pick up on, it was a really interesting part of the the arc that you were creating there. I started picking up a lot of stuff from the sort of uh, Eberron setting. Mm-hmm. And ironically, very shortly after I started kind of building this stuff out, uh, I think there was a module that came out for Eberron or it, it was either. Um, it was a module or it was just additional information. Might have been an Unearthed Arcana for Yeah, Eberron. it may have been. Yeah. Uh, and then one of the other campaigns I was playing in, one of the characters wanted to play uh, an Ironforge. Warforge. Sorry. Warforge. Warforge. And so I decided I'm going to bring some of that stuff in and go, and it's a little cliche, but it's kind of this ancient technology sort of thing that was much better than what we have now. Right. And you're starting to uncover it a little bit. And so... Uh, not only did it turn into a great way to send you guys off into a cool place to play around in, but like typical D&D players, you guys didn't trust anything coming from this guy. So when nope. you finally did find a war forge and realized that it was sentient, you thought he was going to take it apart. We thought he was going <laughs> to use it for other things. Use this it's thing like, as a slave or like just deconstruct it and use it for it because he kept on describing how how valuable the resources were, like the the uh, the materials that this creature this sentient creature were made of we were like don't 
take our friend apart. It's just funny because he had no intentions of doing that. But, you know, if you guys really want him to be, maybe he will be <laughs> later down the line. You never know. <laughs> so I'm really here. Uh, this next character, the one that you're bringing to the table, uh, I've gotten the chance to see as well in another campaign. And it was definitely one of those ones that the moment that we started talking to this guy, if I'm thinking of the right one. Yeah. We were all just like, oh, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> you <laughs> had a great we, uh, voice for him. It was just this real, uh, I don't know how I feel about this guy. <laughs> I immediately hated it and loved it so much. <laughs> and while you brought uh, something of a, of, a, uh, of a positive character, at least a neutral, if not good aligned character, mine is, is quite the opposite. And I was honestly surprised at the reception I I had pictured him as as being just as as creepy and and evil as he sounds. Um, but but something, <laughs> he was definitely creepy and evil, dude. Something about the portrayal, uh, just was was uh, compelling, and and I just enjoy playing that character so much. Uh, we we've made so many occasions to uh, that the players have made so many occasions to go see him just because they enjoy talking to him for one reason or another. It's still still a little baffling in that sense, but. In any case, I'll uh, I'll introduce the character. Uh, I uh, should start by saying I believe that you really enjoy wordplay <laughs> with your character names. I do. So, just a little bit of background to that yeah. before we introduce this guy. What do you got for the 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 naming convention? Well, I mean, think about it. So you got D emissary. Oh, <laughs> right. right. And this character name is Islesius Sculpin. And he was, uh, it was a little interesting. <laughs> if Islesius doesn't give you a little bit of an idea of, uh, uh, of the the kind of character that he is, he is the proprietor of a leather working shop uh, named Scrupulous Skins. Uh, and the shop description goes as follows: You see a shop cramped with leathers, furs, and all manner of animal parts, and it is pungent with the smell of fresh skins. There's a dampness to the air as you walk in, and just past the shadows, you can see a figure that looks to be working on one particular piece of leather. As he turns, you can see a sharp nose, sharp features all about, and a, a smile that turns up just a little bit too far at the edges. He wears fairly simple clothes, along what you can tell to be a fairly lanky and pale body. And what you are looking at is the human figure of Islesius Scopin. I very distinctly remember walking into this place, and very fortunately, our, our party member at the ball at the time that uh, Brittany was playing was a tabaxi. And we yeah. walked into yep. this like skinning <laughs> shop with this real creepy dude. And I, <laughs> I, I think it, I, was, I was one of the characters that walked in. I can't remember who else was in there, but I know for a fact Brittany was not in there the first time. And we were both just like, okay, first and foremost, we're not letting her come in here. <laughs> not after seeing this place. And secondly, it was, this dude is creepy. <laughs> I don't know that I want to have anything to do with him. And yet we kept going back. It was so compelling. Islesius does tend to have a uh, little bit of a dissettling nature about him. Uh. <laughs> Get that out of my world. <laughs> and yes, he um he he very much uh is is all about the first trades, exotic animals, that kind of thing. He he talks about that quite a lot. And 
and doesn't seem to have any qualms about uh, the intelligence of the creatures from which he procures such skins, leathers, and furs. So when we're talking about a tabaxi uh, with a fine humanoid fur or the quest that he was attempting to send you on for a particularly interestingly colored lizard folk that had been rumored to be wandering about the forest, uh, he had no no qualms about... Uh, what you have to do to to kill the creature if if it's going to put up a fight he just wanted the skin to make a a nice pair of shoes out of maybe a handbag i think he just got very lucky maybe that we didn't bring <laughs> Brittany's character along she did Not eventually she did eventually come along uh and see islesius uh yeah i don't think you were there for that and uh he was uh he was admiring the skin of Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Me as a player, I was like, I need to get my character there immediately. This sounds like fun. <laughs> and he did actually uh playing into into the the evil of that character, the uh the creepy nature. He he has a bit of a um a part in the story now after having seen um our our friends, the tabaxi at the time, shapeshift into something else and was actually the catalyst for uh, a group of people looking for her as a changeling because they had this immense fear of the uh, ability of changelings to to infiltrate societies. And it was very much like playing on the xenophobic kind of elements of it. And it was very, very fun for me to kind of pinpoint Islesius as the source of that kind of fear. Uh, and really play into that he's this creepy and underworldly and manipulative kind of character that just has his hands in in a bunch of really strange and and unsavory places. I have an important question. Yes. Did you originally intend for him to have that kind of involvement? <laughs> or was he just another merchant that sort of evolved into something more? I, I had definitely intended I, I so I wrote him basically with shop description, character description, and one quest line, and that was pretty much it. Okay, and it, it was in the course of you all interacting with that character that he ended up playing a part in a number of the other more important threads. And important to note, you still haven't come across the one lizard folk that he's looking for, so there's definitely more to that story. So we still haven't even done his hook, and yes. he's become a big part of yes. the story. That's pretty amazing how how <laughs> the background, these characters can sort of grow legs that you never expected. Indeed. And you just kind of throw something together. Yeah, this sounds kind of fun. This might be a little interesting. And then all of a sudden, they become a big part of the story. Exactly. Awesome. Senor Jefe. Yes. You ready to do this yes and thing? Yes and. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> we have to keep teaching Jeff that the, he doesn't need to say that the, after every time. But <laughs> you just go into it. You oh, just go. Oh, but I love it. But I love it. No. I hey, will, hey, hey, hey. No goblins this time. No goblins. Okay. We 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 got plenty of goblins. No goblins no this goblins. time. Okay. All right. I so, will actually edit you out if you talk about goblins this time. So hobgoblins. Got it. <sighs> All right, do you want to start? You want me to start? <laughs> Let's Roll for see. initiative. Yeah. I didn't bring my dice nah, this time yeah, because yeah. we weren't doing anything. Uh... Just pass it. No. <laughs> that's not my dice. That's his dice. <laughs> no, I'll, uh, I I can set up the scene for us. Um, are we cool starting just outside of the mage tower? Or do we want to uh, get right into it? Let's jump 
right into the mage tower. Okay. So let's 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 put a little bit of 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 setting around it just sure. with it's going to be as many levels as we care mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. going to have as many wild and wacky things as we can think of. Indeed. And uh that's it. Whatever else that fits in there, let's go for it. All right. I have a uh, a little bit of a quaint start and of course we'll scale up the um the fantasy as we go up into this tower. Uh so as you enter the mage's tower, you look around and see rather quaint settings, not quite what you were expecting. Uh, there is a dark wood on all of the surfaces, furniture made of uh, rather rather older pieces of wood. You look around and see that there's not too many distinguishing features that would make this look like a mage tower outside of one single staircase in the center of the room that leads up into a cascade of rainbow colors that seems to be coming from the light above. And as you're peering around this room, the magical nature seems to be all but lost in everything but a single bookcase that grows a pair of eyes and looks in your direction. The pair of eyes fix on the party. The books themselves appear as teeth of the mouth as the bookshelf begins to speak towards the party. What is the password? The party kind of look at each other a little bit. They're not certain what's going on here. This is a very interesting setting. They knew that they would be setting out and finding some strange, strange appearances in this, but a bookcase speaking to them was a little bit more than they were expecting. And the party's rogue begins to sort of make its way up the stairway as best as it can. And the bookshelf eyes turn towards Rogue and see it. It wasn't sneaking as well as it thought it was. And suddenly one of the books flies off the shelf and smacks the Rogue in the head, causing them to roll backwards down the stairs. And the bookshelf turns towards the party again. What is the password? The wizard, ever an astute observer of clues and uh, context within his immediate surroundings, picks up the book that was just flung at the Rogue and begins peering through it, uh, potentially just looking for extra spells to add to his spell book, but in particular looking for any insight that they may get towards a password that they have not gotten any information about yet. And as he's he's looking through, he begins to notice that there's something of a, a strange pattern on each of the pages. Every single page, somehow, by by some work of the author, at the very top left, the very first letter is a C. And as the wizard is, is looking through the book, he turns to the bookcase and says, C, just a letter. And the bookcase grumbles for a second, shuffling around its, its book-like teeth and spits out a key onto the ground. And as the party reaches for the key, picks it up, and approaches the staircase, they reveal a solid surface. It turns out that the staircase that they think they're seeing is actually an illusion. The rogue stands up, sort of rubs his head a little bit. Oh, I guess it was a good thing that he just shot a book at me. The party approaches the door, places the key in, and it opens up, revealing this 
very large sort of octagonal room and they step further in and they see that most of the walls are not fixed. They sort of bend and move as if uh, reality doesn't mean anything in this room. Many of the light fixtures around the room are simply arcane magics that flicker different colors, almost like a rave party. They walk into the room a little bit further and the floor sort of sinks down, creating these different sets of stairs as they move towards the center of the room. Different ruins begin to light up along the ground. I said the right word this time. Didn't sound like it. Hey, I said <laughs> runes. Runes. R-U-N-E-S. I said the right word this time. Go on, narrator. <laughs> as they step further into the room, the barbarian of the party steps on one of the runes and it lights up. He's suddenly forced to make a dexterity check. <laughs> as a large blink of fire shoots out at him. He dodges out of the way and the ball of fire hits the wall and explodes and the wall sort of sucks the magic in and nothing appears to happen. They attempt to continue towards the center of the room. It's at this point that the party as they're moving towards the center of the room notice features of each other that they hadn't noticed when they were down in the first floor or, or outside at all. There's of course, in this diverse party of adventurers, a number of different garments that they're wearing. And it seems the the colors that they see around the room seem to correspond to various garments that they themselves are wearing. The 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 vibrant yellows of uh of the druid, uh the uh the uh, the purples on on the wizard's robe all seem to have almost an, a neon element to them as they approach the center of the room. And the wizard, again, f feeling uh, empowered in, in uh, having solved the first mystery, it, it tells everybody to, quick, quick, bring bring a, a piece of, of these colors together in into the center of the room. And they all tear off a little piece of the fabric, making what turns out to be a rainbow assortment of colors in these fabrics, and they all begin to swirl together, being possessed by this magic, and create a funnel of white light that splits open and forms a portal in front of them. The party steps through, lunged through space and time, through the portal itself. They show up in a very small, triangular-shaped room. As they all step through the portal, suddenly shrinks down and closes, locking them in inside. They look around the room for signs of anything. The room itself is dark. The wizard brings forth its staff, casting out light and lighting up the room. All they see along the walls is various insane phrases painted in some sort of red color. They look around and they begin to inspect these phrases. Some of them are gibberish. Some of them are in different languages. Most of them start to repeat themselves along the room. It never seems to change. Every time that they walk around to another surface, the phrases shift and move. One of the party members begins to inspect the phrases. They start to see that there's clues 
little pieces of these phrases that are coming together to form a single meaning. As the words come together, they've been discussing slicing and dicing, cutting both big and small. And as they come together, they form a single phrase that is read aloud by the rogue. He sees the words and speaks, watch your head. And all of a sudden, a giant blade comes from one side of the room and slices across, uh, attempting to decapitate the entire party, uh, all of which are able to duck out of the way in time besides the barbarian, who, being a bit taller than the rest, manages to catch it in his shoulder and is gravely wounded but still alive. And as the blade finishes uh, cutting through the air above the party, out from these panels that had these phrases on them before, walks no less than a dozen sets of animated armor, all wielding sharp blades and pointing them towards the party. The party's druid quickly rushes over to the barbarian, laying hands on them and bringing them back up. We're going to need you for this one. The barbarian immediately rages from being slashed in the shoulder by this stupid wizard tower. (laughs) I don't know why I'm still in this place. I'm done. This is it. I'm going to go beat the snot out of these animated armors. And the battle ensues. And the party begins to fight through the armors. And after a few minutes passes, many bits of armor lay strung around the floor. The party's hurt, but still standing. And as the last bit of armor falls and lands on the ground, the ground lights up suddenly. And the floor disappears underneath the party. They go into a free fall. They fall for what seems like minutes until they finally reach the end of, of this, this falling abyss and they're caught for just a moment before they're let to fall down on the ground and they all nearly fall on one another. And as they look up, they see this old, almost decrepit-looking mage who's in this very tattered armor, not armor, robes, very tattered robes. <laughs> he sort of leans in and looks with one eye bulging out of his face. Well, you made it through the armors, did you? What are you doing in my tower? The wizard of the party speaks up, uh, feeling uh, empowered yet again to to be the voice, knowing exactly what they're there for and what he seeks, and says, we seek the legendary blade of the elves. And the wizard, uh, the decrepit wizard, turns to this adventuring wizard and says, I'm not going to give it up that easy. What? do you have to bargain? Of course, the barbarian, having lost all patience at this point, flies into yet another rage and goes out towards the wizard, cutting through with his massive great axe and finding that it is all but an illusion. The room goes dark. Well, that was probably not the smartest thing that you've done today, was it? And at this point now... What was this old decrepit mage, or an illusion of this mage at the very least, stands forth a very confident, tall, old mage in this brilliant and beautiful robes. His hair is very well kept, 
and everything is sort of tight and, and very well made. You don't expect to see this kind of figure coming forward. And he immediately begins to sling spells and magic at the party, turning the barbarian into a small mouse as he goes scurrying around, turning and launching off rays of frost and beams of fire at the party. A raging battle ensues. In this illusory space, the rules of physics and the uh, magic that swirls around make it incredibly difficult to keep track of what's going on. The spells that are are manipulating the, the world around them continue to swirl about, and as the dust settles, uh, the party has gone up and down many times, but finds themselves standing victorious over the body of the uh, mad mage after uh, quite a bit of bloodshed on both sides. And with the death of this mad mage, the illusory space that they're in completely vanishes. They feel around and can see that the upper room in which they now find themselves with brilliant sunlight coming in from the windows all about is completely real. And in front of them, they find a chest, brilliantly colored and with no locks upon it, having seemingly been left there as something that the wizard didn't need to closely guard. Inside, they pop open the chest and find what they are looking for, the legendary Blade of the Elves. And at the last moment, <laughs> the chest comes alive and eats the rogue. Story's <laughs> over! There we go. <laughs> Very good, man. Very good. That was fun. Okay, so wrapping up today's episode of the Dungeons Mastered podcast, we want to let you all know that our website is live now. Yes. It's got some some interesting information. We're still working on it, right? There's going to be more stuff out there. A lot of it's just, here's the podcast. Here's how you find all our social. You can find that at www.dungeonsmastered.com. And you can follow us on social media at Dungeons Mastered, except for Twitter, which doesn't let you have that many characters. It's at Dungeons Mastered <laughs> with just a D at the end, not an E-D. Sorry. Anything else that we should uh, that we should explain to everybody, or are we good for today? No, I think we're good. I uh, would just encourage those that have been following us, that have been paying attention to what we've been doing, shoot out any recommendations that you have for, for what you hear in the podcast here, any uh, things that you'd like to hear us talk about maybe. Engage in those um, polls if you haven't already, and we're producing a number of other pieces of content, uh, some NPCs ideas. There will be some magic item ideas coming here soon. Uh, go ahead and bring those into your campaigns if they fit. Uh, keep on paying attention. We're producing a lot of really fun stuff, and we're really excited about it. We need more draft ideas. Send us draft ideas. Yes, draft ideas. <laughs> All right, thanks again for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. Bye.